Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. For the second day running, a Premier League team wins at home against La Liga opposition. But unlike Man City's nervy performance against Real Madrid, Liverpool's first leg victory over Villarreal was largely plain sailing. I'm here with Michael LaHood to break down what happened at Anfield, look ahead to Thursday's Europa League and Europa Conference League games, and react to a major upset in Serie A. The Kegolazo Champions League Wednesday recap begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kegolazo. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Kegolazo pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolazo. This is a live recap, baby. So get those comments, get those questions. What did you think, Liverpool fans? Are you happy? Are you a little bit annoyed that you maybe didn't get a third? Villarreal fans, tricky for Unai Emery, I think, you know, given the resiliency, but the reliance on the counter, you might have to change and flip the script in the second leg. We'll have to see. We'll also talk about uh, some Europa League semi-action West Ham, Frankfurt, of course, Leipzig Rangers, Europa Conference League, a little quick uh, reminder of what happened in Serie A because some insanity happened in Serie A today uh we got michael so we're going to talk some manchester united against chelsea that's a big game and some final thoughts from the lovely gentleman michael lahood as we say goodbye and wish him well on his wedding this weekend <laughs> michael lahood what's up buddy how are you ah fine thanks good to be back on the show and there's something about ucl wednesdays that that sometimes just fails to deliver what ucl tuesdays do not on our show but in the actual scores on the field yeah, I was going to say, on our show, it's me and you, buddy. Like We, we yeah. make it happen. We deliver yeah. every time. I know. It's it's kind of like a Champions League hangover, right? Tuesday's yeah. like they went all out, and now Wednesday's like, oh, they're trying to sober up. But regardless, <laughs> if you're a Liverpool fan, you're happy. So everybody, please uh, ask your questions for Michael, for myself. What did you make of the result? What do you think now will happen in the second leg for both games, if you want? Uh, by the way... You know, we are very loyal, Michael, here to our followers and our fans. Thank you so much as we continue to grow. I got a really nice message on Twitter mm. from a certain gentleman who was uh, talking to me about how his son, his 12-year-old son, is obsessed with Kegolasso, listens to oh, it, wow. watches it every day, <laughs> loves the entire team, and he's a... Uh, he's a he's a Liverpool fan, so he's extra happy. So I promised mm. him that I'd do a big shout out. His name's Lester Jr. Lester Jr., if you're listening to this, this is for you, buddy. Congrats on your 2 nothing win against Villarreal. Very happy for you, Michael. Let's wish Lester Jr. a very happy uh, win here. I, I don't know what yeah. else I can give him. Just a happy congratulations, right? Yeah, no, congratulations, Lester Jr. This is, this is what the Champions League is really about. You have... The insanity that is a Champions League, the entertainment, as in say insanity, the entertainment value that is Champions League and the business end of things. You got the business package. Congratulations to you. All of Anfield should be smiling. Absolutely. And now, you know, I realize that you're 12 years old. We might need to uh, get this nice to get those uh, mm -hmm. censoring anytime we curse or anything. I apologize for for the future. But hey, it's good lessons for an adult. 
I think when yeah. you grow up, you'll realize this is what the game is all about. Leicester Jr., this win was for you. All right, let's talk about Liverpool against Villarreal. 2-0. It was nil-nil at the break, and you thought, is this Villarreal well, going to continue? Well, no. Jurgen Klopp and co. made it happen, and they ended up winning 2-0. But as I said in the intro there, Michael LaHood, first of all, talk to me about this game. What did you think? But also, do you think Jurgen Klopp's coming out of this thinking, we could have gotten a third or even a fourth? Oh, if I'm Jurgen Klopp, I'm thinking job well done. This was about getting not just one, but two goals. You don't want to go to Spain with a one goal lead against this Villarreal team because that was their checklist. At halftime, watching the, the show, watching the match, they gave a checklist of things. No set piece goals. What is it? Limiting Liverpool in terms of getting in behind, being a threat on the attack, on the counterattack, and trying to maybe limit it to one goal. They failed on that most important objective, limiting it to just one goal. Nil-nil, job well done for Villarreal. But in the second half, the way Villarreal was playing, they were hanging on by a thread. They were living on a prayer. Shout out to Madonna on that, <laughs> living like Madonna. But the prayer was not answered. LME, not answered. You cannot play that way when you go to Anfield. Yes, you're a defensive team. You're going to sit in two banks of four. But the fact that they put zero pressure on Liverpool's center backs Zero pressure on Liverpool's midfield. Oh, you cannot do that, Anfield. And they got punished, and rightfully so. Absolutely. And uh, they were frozen, to use another mm. Madonna song. They were frozen <laughs> uh, during certain situations. Part of the resiliency of Villarreal, everybody, is what got them here in the first place. So I don't want anybody completely going full hardcore against them, okay? It's, it's part of who they are. It's the DNA, and Una Emery knows that very well. The other thing, you know, with all due respect, this is Villarreal against Liverpool. What, what are you expecting? You're expecting, you know, what Real Madrid were doing yesterday. They don't have the clientele, mm. okay? So a nil-nil, you should be very happy. And Una Emery, actually, at 2 nothing should be pretty happy. That's Norris and John Bon Jovi will be pissed at this match. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Norris. Well, we'll, we'll know. But my question to you, Michael, and to everybody out there is, What's the dilemma here now for Unai Emery? Because 2 nothing is mm. not awful. And here are the stats that Des is showing on the screen. Obviously, we knew that it's overwhelmingly favoring Liverpool there with 20 shots, but only five on target from that. And obviously, zero shots on target from Villarreal. But to that point, Michael, do you think now, what does Unai Emery do in the second leg here? Because it's 2 nothing. It's not awful. But surely he has to change the strategy a little bit. Maybe not in the first 15 minutes. But if he continues to just hope and sit, Liverpool are yeah. going to be fully in control of this series. Well, this was damage limitation because it was forced by some of the injury woes that they have. And, and really, pun intended, the team was hamstrung because of the amount of hamstring injuries happening. That's what can happen over the course of a season when you have so many players defending in the Champions League, defending for their Champions League lives and being successful. A one, Gerard Moreno, that is an, a big X factor for this team. He's not just a good striker. He's his holdup play is so significant to this VRL team. He can run the channels against Bayern Munich. He ran them ragged, running in the channels, holding the ball up. That makes the Danjumas, that makes the Los Celsos come into the game. That allows Estupinian to overlap. When you don't have a focal point like that up top, Danjuma's not going to hold the ball up against um, Virgil van Dijk. Before the match, I, I thought too many players were were getting involved in the press clippings. Danny Pereiro coming out. And saying, you know, we're calm. You know what? Stay calm on the field. He was a player that I thought was poor tonight. Yeah, uncharacteristically he was. poor. Giving the ball away in dangerous positions. He'll learn from that. He's Mr. Consistent for Villarreal. We've seen him had poor games in the Champions League before in the first leg and come back 
and have a solid second leg. I thought Estupinian, once he got that second or that first yellow card, he started playing conservative because he had to. You don't want to lose a player like that in the second leg. And I, I just think the Gerard Moreno factor was one that hurt them. Jeremy Pino, he wasn't available off the bench. He's a guy who, because Francis Conklin has come in in the Champions League, doing the job, being a more defensive presence on that left-hand side, it's forced Pino to be almost eating popcorn on the bench and watching. He could have been a player, and he could very well be a player that comes in and starts because they're chasing this second leg. Yeah, no, some really good calls there, Michael, specifically on Moreno. Uh, Serge, I was reading your comment. Don't worry. We were going to get to it, Serge. Calm down. Yes, Jaron Moreno is a massive loss to that because, as Michael said, he's a pinpoint man. And Pino as well, it, almost as important just because of the creativity that he can offer and also allow, especially when Danny Parejo isn't playing well. Parejo was too slow today. Yeah, I think he was forgetting that he was playing Liverpool. You can't really do that. You have to understand the opponent that's in front of you. So... Having said all that, 2 nothing is not awful. So if they can amend a few things, but again, I, I think Emery has to go against his own instincts in the second leg and not necessarily from the get-go, right? Like maybe yeah. play it, you know, play out the rhythm in the first 15, 20 minutes and see how it goes. But at some point you go to gamble because this is Liverpool we're talking about who were completely in control today. And this is a Liverpool team who have their own X factor, a player who I, I was surprised he didn't feature or come off the bench. A one Bobby Firmino, a player who has a foot injury, didn't play. And that just they're the luxury of riches of talent, that depth mm -hmm. we've talked about that's been the epitome of this year's Liverpool team and arguably one of the best Liverpool teams ever. That's saying a lot considering some of the league titles they've won and the Champions League teams they've put together because of that depth. I think the fact that now Unai Emery and his team have to come out and open up at some point, it radically changes their game plan of taking it to almost 90 minutes and then a half of soccer, almost 60 minutes to leave that game nil-nil or keep it one-nil if they're down and then push for that goal. This is a Villarreal team that isn't very comfortable opening up and then going and pushing the tempo for a game. But whoever scores that first goal in the second leg Oh boy, momentum will be at their back like a gust of wind from the Titanic. It's just going to be exhilarating to watch. The fact that both teams will have to go for this, and it's not going to be another um, defensive masterclass from Villarreal, that they will have to open up, is going to make for an entertaining match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought Klopp was smart with this lineup. Lucho Diaz pushing Juan Foyth as far as he can from the white side, and then later on, Diogo Jota coming in, etc. Jordan Henderson, I thought, had a pretty good game. Thiago Alcantara, yeah. definitely at the beginning, was just putting out some dimes. And Trent Alexander-Arnold, of course, just causing absolute mayhem. Everything was clicking. They're just too deep. A major focal point, everybody, is obviously going to be the fact that, you know, Liverpool are still going for this title in the Premier League. They got to uh, face Newcastle on Saturday, an early kickoff. That's not much of a turnaround, Michael. It's going to be, you know, I mean, they have a deep squad, but still... Uh, what do you what do you make of that? The fact that they have an early game on Saturday. I think it's going to be one of their toughest games of the season. We yeah, saw them with the Newcastle. Yeah. Oh, we saw them with the emotional high that they had going into the Manchester City game, and they came out very flat. But they have the individual moments of brilliance, and they have the right players playing their best soccer again. And their and their their best players come from what's called Africa. Mm. Mohamed Salah and Mane. 
the combination that they had. Sadio Mane, he's rolling back the clock. Six years at Liverpool, fourth season in a row, 20 goals, four out of six years. Incredible investment. You know, Gabby Agbonahor said something on Talk Sport, and it made me think a little. We're talking about Karim Benzema, Ballon d'Or and stuff, but he gave a pretty good argument for Sadio Mane here, uh, oh. especially the you know, the beginning of 2022, winning Africa Cup of Nations, qualifying to the World Cup, yeah. everything he's done for Liverpool. It's a pretty good argument, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It's, it, for that argument, it's going to come down to whoever wins the Champions League. And mm -hmm. then, obviously, if Benzema Madrid win La Liga, miss out on the Champions League and have a better World Cup, I think the World Cup is going to be the difference maker for the winner of this year's Balloon d'Or. But what Mane and Salah are doing, considering they've played the amount of games they played for World Cup qualification, they're not going to San Marino from London or Liverpool. They're not going to the Munich. They're going to places unknown. Mm. Anthony Bourdain's places unknown <laughs> in Africa. I mean, I've, I've lived it. I've played it. Mm. Those trips back and forth, they are miserable on the yeah. body. But the fitness levels, the focus, and the hunger, I've been really impressed by those two. And the fact that Mane is just coming up with goals in the second half of the season, it's turning Mohamed Salah's game into becoming a creator as well as a goal scorer. Salah, the deft touch through the legs, I think it was Pau Torres, through his legs with three Villarreal defenders converging on him, that is world-class stuff. The fact that you have two world-class goal scorers on your team, that's the stuff that coaches around the world, I know my soon-to-be coach, Ten Hag, wishes he had. Well, we're going to talk about Manchester United after the break. But Sadio Mane, if he wins Ballon d'Or, I mean, hey, friend of the show, Sadio Mane. So that would be kind of cool. Kego Lasso has interviewed a Ballon d'Or winner. How about that, everybody? All right. I have a few questions here regard for everybody. I knew Michael regarding this game. First of all, Jamie Carragher on uh, the, um, our show said that Emery couldn't coach a top team. Before I ask you and before I ask everybody, I'll just chime in my two cents. Uh, Let's let, let's stop it for a second, okay? Okay, Sevilla, he's won the Europa League three times. PSG, he won the league. He won the Cup twice. He won the League Cup twice. He won the Trophée des Champions twice. Arsenal was a runner-up. Villarreal, of course, he already did that and, and won it. I mean, what, what else do you want? Like, come on. Like, yeah. is Sevilla not a top league? Is PSG not a top league? Can we stop with the disrespect? I am the number one fan of the Premier League. It's my league. We need to sometimes think outside of this microscope. Don't you think? What do you think, Michael? Yeah, ab absolutely. The, the guy has won trophies, European continental trophies. Some of the managers that we give plaudits to, I mean, I think what Eddie Howe is doing in Newcastle is incredible, but you would never put Eddie Howe in front of Unai Emery. And I, I think just the, the, the bitter pill to swallow because of how it all ended at Arsenal, I think that, that's just not a good look to, to say something like that. This guy's a European champion, maybe not Champions League champion yet, but the fact that he's beaten the likes of a Bayern Munich, you can't say that. I mean, I just don't agree with that. that I mean, look, everyone's entitled to their opinions, but I don't agree with that. Yeah, let, let, let's relax. He's won the Europa League four times, everybody. Can we stop, please? Well, and, and, and guess one of those Europa Leagues, I think, was it against a Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp? Yeah, it was against, against Liverpool. So he has, Jurgen yeah. Klopp. Liverpool. Yes. Mind you, it was Jurgen Klopp's during his early tenure. But he's beat, he beat a coach who's considered world-class. Exactly. It's, listen, I think the question is, do you like his strategy? Do you like his mm. philosophy? That's a different question. But you cannot question what this man 
has achieved. All right. End of conversation. All right. Let me ask you this one. We had a poll question, by the way. Is he the greatest cop specialist of all time? Given the mm. record that we've just talked about, right? He's won the Europa League four times. He was the runner-up with Arsenal as well. He's won a few cups in France. Is he the greatest uh, specialist of all time? I think we have to go back into our dusty encyclopedia. But Des Norris, did we do a poll? What was the final answer? I bet you that most of it was no. What do you think, Michael? Oh, I wouldn't say I probably wouldn't say of all time. I think if you're going to do Europa League Cup specialist, I give him the crown. Mm. This guy knows how to get the best out of really the underdog teams. And Sevilla is no longer an underdog team, but the Sevilla teams during that time, they were miles behind the FC Barcelona's and Real Madrid. Yes, 68 percent. That's very impressive. Mm. Well, I mean, what your Sir Alex Ferguson won? Quite a few, right? I mean, yeah. the Club World Cup, the League Cup four times, the Champions League, of course, the Premier League. But I guess the Cup, we're talking just specific knockout competition. Zinedine uh, Zidane says Des Norris. That's a very yeah. good point. I'd, I'd, put, I'd put him behind the likes of a Zidane. And look, a, a Cup is a Cup is a Cup. Jose Mourinho was only counting Champions League trophies before it started skidding a little bit sideways. Now he counts all cups, including the cups in his household in Rome. But this guy, what he's able to do, and it's been a DNA for success in cup tournament format, is he manages both legs. As long as there's two-leg cup competitions, he's a two-leg cup competition specialist. I give him that. He's able to manage the first leg and always keep it competitive, and then frustrate you. And in finals, he always gives a little bit of a different wrinkle than you're you're expecting. And during those finals, a player that you're not expecting seems to be the star of the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's a good argument to have, and you can't deny the absolute ridiculous resume that Unai Emery has uh, contributed to. Uh, Serge, wondering if the language barrier makes Emery's job harder in other countries. I would love to see him in a mm-hmm. team like Atletico Madrid, search. good point. This is something that people are going to get tired of me saying because I've been going on about it a lot. Um, yes, I think that sometimes sometimes it just the culture doesn't fit the manager in the other way around. And I think that's what happened yeah. with Unai Emery. Sometimes there's a cultural clash. I don't think it was Arsenal's fault. And I don't think it was Unai Emery's complete fault. I just think sometimes cultures don't go together. Sometimes they do because just magic happens. Look at Marcelo Bielsa. He didn't you know, fully grasp English definitely at the beginning of his campaign with Leeds United, but he made it happen. Sometimes you need a place that can not just support you from a managerial perspective, but from a cultural one. And that's what I think needs to happen with Mauricio Pochettino. I hope he goes mm. to La Liga if he leaves PSG. And that and that's a point. I don't know if you had any comments on that, Michael, but I do yeah. believe that, yes, yeah, sometimes a cultural issue is a problem. And let me tell you something. I love England. It's my second country. I love it. but there is definitely a lot of uh, separation, alienation when it comes to foreign managers sometimes, definitely when I was growing up. Yeah, I think timing too. Timing is everything in every walks of life and every facets of life. Look at when Unai Emery took over Arsenal. There was a former manager who his name is in Arsenal, Mm. Arsene Wenger. And the Arsenal fans were, let's say, upset because this is a family show all of a sudden. They they were really upset. Thinking of Lester Jr., yeah, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> you'll, you'll definitely never walk alone on this show. We always look out for uh, for everyone. So uh, the timing of him going to Arsenal, the fans were so upset 
that anything less than a trophy, anything less than almost delivering the Premier League was going to be seen as failure. It's like and David I, Moyes and Sir Alex Ferguson. It's yeah, incredibly it's difficult to overtake a legend. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and so I totally agree with you, Elmi, that that you know the culture and the manager need to vibe. Jose Mourinho, when he first came to England, yes, he was a European champion. But when he first came to England, you knew he was up to it because you have to deal with the British press in ways that in Spain, all you have, you, I mean, all you have, it's two of the biggest newspapers in the world for world soccer. But outside of that, you're not dealing with the, you know, the Valencia Providence morning news. Mm. Like, and if that exists, hey, shout out to you guys. Give a shout out <laughs> to everyone today. You, you're dealing with two major newspapers that care about two teams. Mm. And that's it. In England, every stone is unturned. Everything is scrutinized, especially if you're a foreign manager. What Jose Mourinho did, class. He came in and he said, look, none of you can say anything to me. You can't even walk in my shoes because I've done something that only one other manager that's playing right now has done. Alex yeah. Ferguson, I'm a European champion. That makes me one of the top managers of all time. So don't say anything to me. And the press walked out of there saying, geez, this guy's different. Jurgen Klopp came in. And for all the things Jurgen Klopp said, they were right. The normal one thing, the fact that Jurgen Klopp learned the British press, learned English, I mean, he could speak English, but learned it and assimilated to the culture and endeared himself to Liverpool fans, it made that transition period that much smoother. I think Unai Emery, just that was, that was always going to be an uphill battle for him because of his reputation coming from the teams he came from. And let's not forget, Unai Emery was one kick of the ball away from beating a Barcelona side over two legs in the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is not, it's not even up for discussion, but it's a good question regarding the poll about him being the greatest cop specialist of all time. Thank you so much for your input. Very quickly, before we take a break, what, give me just a very knee-jerk, sort of instinctive reaction of the second leg for both sides, Ma Madrid, Man City. What do you, what do you think? Oh, knee-jerk result, I'd say... Starting with the Madrid City, I think Madrid beat City. I, I just, the fact that it ended 4-3, the fact that Madrid played some of the worst soccer for so many stretches of that match and got out of there with three goals is a miracle unto itself. It's a credit to one Kareem the Dream and the rest of the team. They are a Champions League, just a, a team that is made for the Champions League. I pick Madrid, and then in this match, I pick Liverpool. Real is going to open up. They're going to go for it. They're going to try and be tactical and all, but tactics go out the window when you have just that many attacking weapons. They'll wear you down and they can play on the counter as well. So Liverpool and Real Madrid are my just knee-jerk reaction finalists. Wow. Well, I think that uh, Man City should be very happy that the away goal rule uh, yeah. has oh. disappeared for Madrid's going yeah. three at the Etihad City of Manchester Stadium. I'm going to stick with my all-English final. I think that... There's always goals at the Bernabeu. I just, I, I think that Man City will score. But uh, yeah, I would not be surprised if Real Madrid take care of business here. On the other side, I think Liverpool has this covered. I, I just don't, they're too strong for yeah. a very brave, very heroic, very resilient uh, via Real. All right, let's uh, take a break, everybody. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Europa League. And uh, quick on Europa Conference League, as well as Serie A, some madness in Serie A. And Manchester United Chelsea preview as well. So now Thursday as well. Very interesting. Some final thoughts, and that will be it. Gigo Lasso, Champions League Wednesday recap. LME, Michael LaHood will be right back. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Champions League Wednesday recap. Michael LaHood, LME in the house. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Que golazo pod on Twitter. And we've passed 11,000 subscribers. Thank you so much. Plenty to come as well this week as we'll have a little bit of a weekend preview as well as uh, the continuation of a World Cup series as well. And then we'll end it all with a live recap. And then uh, Michael gets married. You're excited, buddy? Are you are you ready? Oh, man. Even on the jitters? Teeming with excitement. So my, my just quick shout out on that. My future mother-in-law is here in the crib and just we can't give the location because she's that exclusive of <laughs> VIP-ness. She's awesome. Uh, and my brothers are here. So oh, it's just man, that, that's great. Yeah, it's that sort of family vibe that's happening. So I can't wait. I love it. I love it. Well, congratulations uh, on behalf of the entire Kego Lasso team and family. All right, let's talk Europa League, everybody. By the way, we have a good little preview of it on YouTube as well. James Bange and yours truly discuss it. But these are the matches, of course. West Ham against Frankfurt, baby. And Leipzig against Rangers. Will we see an all-British final or an all-German final? That is the question. Very quickly, West Ham against Frankfurt. We got Mark Noble and Dominic. Tedesco uh, quotes coming up as well as they discuss this game. But, you know, uh, James Bench, our James Bench will be at the game and London Stadium should be absolutely bussing for this one. Give me some thoughts on on, on this game. West Ham against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, who did the business against Barcelona. Yeah, and West Ham, I'd be feeling super confident. The fact that you went away to France and got a 3-0 win. This is a West Ham team for the things that they're not doing in the Prem because they're focusing on the Europa League. They're doing it in Europe. Jared Bowen, uh, just Jared Bowen obsessed. These are the type of games that if you're Gareth Southgate, keep an eye on this kid. These are the type of games that will book his ticket to Qatar for the World Cup. Declan Rice, the price tag keeps going up, and the likes of Manchester United, write the check. I'm not going to put a, a Declan Rice is at the wheel like Rio. I'm just going to stay away from that. <laughs> Last time we did that, it didn't, didn't end too well. But the Declan Rice's, I love the fact that there's English talent coming through West Ham, and the fact that one of their own is leading the ship. I just, I like the fact that they went toe to toe with a Chelsea team, frustrated them with their B team. Mm. Since when is that happening? West Ham mm. playing their B team against Chelsea. In years past, a team like West Ham would have to play their A team to, to stand a chance. The fact that they can do that makes me give West Ham the upper edge. Frankfurt, great team, great result, but West Ham just has that steeliness about them. 
Yeah, the first leg could prove uh, to be a very decisive one as well, but it should be a great game. And then you got Leipzig against Rangers. Leipzig, who started the campaign, of course, in the Champions League against Giovanni van Bronckhorst. Rangers, who, you know, James Benj and I said early this week, Michael, that Leipzig have to take care of business in this first leg because the Ibrox is going to be yeah. rocking and, and uh, Dominic Tedesco. Here we go regarding the Leipzig game. Uh, he said Rangers knocked Dortmund out of the Europa League, which says a lot. We know about their strengths. They're a physically strong side who can beat any opponent if you allow them to play their way. So there's a lot of respect going on, unsurprisingly. How do you see that one, Leipzig against Rangers? I think it's going to come down to a right side battle for Rangers, left side battle for Leipzig. Angelino, one of their best attackers, playing wingback. The battle of the two wing backs, wing backs. And was it Travenier, the captain? He plays right back. One of their leading goal scorers in Europe this year, a right back. Yeah, Incredible crazy. stuff. And yeah. Giovanni Brang, of course, it had to be an outside back if you're playing for Van Bronckhorst, being an attacking <laughs> component, just stuff the miracles and just the TV world is made of. I think for RB Leipzig, keep an eye on what they did recently against Union Berlin. They have all the attacking talent in the world, Christian Kunku, talent, the Frenchman. But defensively, I just wonder if they're going to just, even if they get up a goal, they showed a little bit of fragility against Union Berlin. And if they take their focus off of this game and start looking ahead to manage the second leg, they could be in trouble because this is a Rangers team that has character. They do not give up. And especially at home, they will have the entire blue side of Glasgow and the entire blue half of Scotland behind them. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. That's why we said Leipzig has to really take care of business this first leg because you don't know what will happen if you keep it close at the end of 90 minutes going towards the second. Let's quickly talk about Europa Conference League, everybody. Uh, Leicester City against Roma. That's Brendan Rodgers against Jose Mourinho. I love it. And mm. Feyenoord against Marseille as well. You know, that's a really good one. Just, I think, from... a vibes and aesthetic perspective two teams that like to play the game etc how do you see these two matchups i will who do you take in a fight a fox or wolf <laughs> the wolf because of the wolf system, i'm i'm going you know this is a roma team that's been resurgent in 2022 under Mourinho. i think their biggest focus of the season yes making europe potentially getting in that Europa League spot, but winning a trophy. Mourinho loves to make a statement out of the gate, winning trophies in his first year, and I think he will have this Roma side set not just to defend, but hit this Leicester City team on the counter. If Leicester doesn't take care of business at home, it could be a long second leg for them at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, because you know that stadium is going to be rocking. But Brendan, Brendan Rodgers, he's a bit of a magician when it comes to some of the biggest managers around the world. He'll have this team playing kind of with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove. And the other side, Marseille, I, I just like Marseille. Feyenoord, they, they've done well to get to this point, but Marseille, they just have too many weapons going forward. And Dimitri Payet, just some players, they go to certain teams, doesn't really work out, and then it's just like reincarnation. Yeah. This is the sort of Dimitri Payet that we saw that got him the big move that we saw him at the Euros, yeah. the last like, Euros. It fits the glove in this guy. team. He fits yeah. the glove. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And uh, by the way, I mean, you know, from all these games, it's good to see that the Conference League is offering a lot of, because these teams, they want to win this trophy. It's, it's yeah. good to see that. So it should be intriguing to get that perspective 
from the Conference League. So it's been a victory for UEFA 100%. All right, well, we were speaking about Roma. Let's talk about Serie A, by the way, Michael, because, uh, you know, all the mayhem on the Champions League, but... My goodness, Inter Milan! Do you just you just, just don't want to win this, do you? <laughs> like at all? Like they were winning one all, oh, one no. nothing. Arnautovic scores for Bologna, evens it out, and then, oh my goodness, their goalkeeper hands in, uh, Andre Radu, who's a standing keeper. Oh, the second goal! It was just an awful, 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 awful mistake. Uh, if you can see it, watch it. CBS Sports Golasso, but. You know, this is big for the title race of the Scudetto because now AC Milan is looking at this guy and thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. As they say in Italy, mama mia. As a neutral, you love this twist in the plot because a week ago, we were all saying it. I think everyone is a Serie A fan and just admirer of the league was saying it, that it was Inter's title to lose. Not just the fact that they had the game in hand, but the fact that they also have the easier the easier running. Now you drop the ball and all that momentum that you've built, that sense of invincibility that you built by beating your rivals, beating them handedly in Coppa Italia. Ooh, some of that dust is just spilt on the ground. It, it reminds me of that scene in The Office. Who who's the character? Not is it Kevin? Who is the bowl of chili? Yeah, it's definitely Kevin. Yeah, and all you do is just get across the room, <laughs> yeah. and you just drop the bowl of chili and just spill it all over the place. This was their bowl of chili moment. Yeah. You just spilled it all over the table. 100%. They've done it. And it's a problem. And now because, well, AC Milan have to face Fiorentina on Sunday. And Fiorentina lost 4-0 to Udinese. So I don't know how angry they will be about that. But Atalanta ties 4-0 with Torino as well. An eight-goal thriller as well. And rock-bottom Venezia, they fire Sinetti with five matches to go. They do a little bit of a... A Burnley there, and they just fire their manager, but they're bottom, dead bottom, yeah. 22 points. And, you know, they need six because Cagliari are in 17th have 28 points. So we'll see what happens with that. But all the madness in Serie A, which you can watch exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. All right, let's finish up here uh, with something I know you're going to want to talk about. Manchester United against Chelsea. I don't know where, like, I was just like, oh my God, there's this game as well on uh, Thursday. Unbelievable. But this is... This is big because obviously, you know, Man City, Liverpool, we know what's going on there. But Chelsea have not been looking great, obviously. They're on 65 points in third place. Arsenal, 60 points. Tottenham in 58. United, listen, we knew that the Champions League thing was going to be, you know, a dream here. But, you know, for for a chance of European football and and something for Eric Ten Hag to build on, this is a big game. But Jadon Sancho, Maguire, Fred, Edison Cavani, Pogba, Luke Shaw, they're all out. And Juan Bissaka has to undergo a late fitness test as well. Talk to me about this game, Manchester United against Chelsea, because Chelsea are still living. I mean, you know, they should be okay, but still, yeah. you know, it hasn't been that impressive. What, what do you make of this game? This is Chelsea's game to lose. What I saw from Manchester United outside of Cristiano Ronaldo and Alanga at the weekend against Arsenal, it made me, it just made me sad <laughs> to be United. I, I wanted to cry. I remember getting up. It was 6.30 Central, and I remember we, we had a broadcast in the evening. A producer there probably wouldn't be happy with me saying this, but I can now because I'm getting married, so I can say whatever, almost. But I remember waking up and thinking, don't do this to yourself. You know what's going to happen. I turned it on anyways, and I saw the first goal go in. For Manchester United, 
the confidence is so shaky. And it's not really the confidence up top that's the problem. It's the confidence in the entire back line. Mm-hmm. Harry Maguire is getting all the shtick in the world, and I think his form has been deserving of that. But the other player who I think has been getting away with murder as of late, Rafael Varane. I have been shocked at some of his recent displays. Early in the season, before the I think one of his first injuries, I was, I was like, okay, new country, new league, first time out of Madrid, give him some time. But he looks shaken. I think Florentino Perez uh, knew what he was doing when he oh. was uh, when he was being called upon about Rafael Varane, and everybody thought, "Oh, Varane leaving Madrid? What? What? What?" Oh. And Florentino Perez was like, "Nope, no, he's, he's not a hundred percent." I mean, has he even been able to put three games consecutively together without an injury? It's been, and even when he does, to your point, oh. it's just not working out. Well, it's, it's worrying signs when one of your go-to players, if you're not, if, if Harry Maguire isn't going to be the guy, then Rafael Varane is going to be your guy. Yeah. If one of your go-to players is whiffing clearances. And when he's 1v1 defensively, is looking over his shoulder like he just read an M- or just saw an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> and he's still shook. Yeah. But with Cristiano Ronaldo in the team, the appetite, the zest, the, just the character that he showed to come back. I thought his sharpness, I was so impressed with that in that Arsenal game. Cristiano Ronaldo, he will want to make a statement, not just to Ten Hag, but to the entire Premier League to at least move up that goal scoring chart. Every time he has a milestone that he needs to hit, that's when he goes back to his best and he'll want to do it against one of the top three teams in the Premier League, Chelsea. But this is Chelsea's game to lose. It depends how motivated Chelsea are at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. The good statistic thing for Manchester United fans is uh, you're unbeaten in your last eight home league matches against Chelsea. So that should be okay. But uh, we have a comment here from Rafa Varane was hiding in Ramos's shadow for years. Listen, I think in his best days, we let's not let's not completely yeah. disrespect this man, right? Yeah. World Cup champion, right? but yes, I think that in definitely in the last recent years, you could see that Varane wasn't at his at his best and like I said, Florentino Perez knew something that perhaps nobody else did. However, Manchester United to your point do need this in order to as you said, climb up that table. They lost 3-1 to Arsenal. They lost 4-0 to Liverpool before that. After a 3-2 win over Norwich City, they, they lost to Everton 1-0 and they tied with Leicester City. So some more victories need to happen because after that, okay, a home game against Brentford, Brighton, Palace, some games that you really should be getting some things out, but you just don't know with this Manchester United side. And to your point, it's Chelsea's game to lose. However, statistics hopefully will go in your favor. Well, one thing to add to that too is Champions League, I mean, they need lots of help. To even get that, but yeah, the fact it's not that happening, some of, just yeah, no, it's just not. But, Europa but, League is a hope. I don't even think that, but you know. Uh, also, we have to remember as well. By the way, this table can look very intriguing yeah. in terms of European qualification because obviously, Man City or Liverpool, if they make it to the final of the Champions League, one of them is winning it. Mm. So, meaning that you can like go down the the barrel as well, as well as the, an FA Cup as well for Chelsea. Maybe, maybe we'll see. So there's a lot of intriguing things. Like uh, I believe seven teams wow. can make it, right? Can make it into Europe, you know, wow. depending on, on how on how it all works out with the trophies elsewhere. So, but to your point, United need I mean Champions League from a table perspective, forget it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm thinking just like you said, Europe in general, the fact that just a miracle that's happened, unlike most other years, all these teams play each other. 
towards the end of the season. I've never mm. seen a season like that. Mm. Where from pretty much third through seventh or eighth, all these teams have to play each other. Mm. So the titles, the seeding, European spots, they're all going to be decided. And the big marquee match for that fourth place spot, they could have an implication because both teams are going to be looking for North it. London Derby. North London Derby. The yeah. fact that it, it happens towards the very end of the season, both teams, their fans are going to be putting pressure on them. Their managers are going to be putting pressures on them. And it just makes you wonder. Tottenham already had some of their Tottenham moments. One week they look like world beaters and a team that deserves to be in Europe. The next week, not so much. Arsenal, probably the more steady of the, steadier of the two, beating the teams they need to beat, being competitive against the big boys. It just makes you wonder if some of those points can be dropped, if it motivates this United team to say, hey, not just your, not forget, forget Champions League, that is be realistic. But can we feed and piggyback and use that momentum to just climb ourselves out of this dump of a place that we're in? Yeah, there's some more twists coming, I feel, as we wrap up the Premier League for sure. But that's it. It's Manchester United against Chelsea on Thursday, the Europa League Conference League action as well and final thoughts michael lahoud before we say goodbye and we wish you the very best buddy on your wedding is this the last uh, time we're meeting you. before before that because then you're off for a little bit and then you'll come back to us but uh yeah. want to wish you the very best bud no thank you very much look i'm I just i say it each week it's just an honor to be part of this team to be part of this show and a privilege to be able to talk about European competition the highest level of European competition i hope that both these champions league matches haven't failed to deliver. Yes, one was a seven-goal thriller, but this one, the tensions were high. I just hope the rest of the week's matches from tomorrow to the weekend's matches deliver. This has been a special week, and it just happens to fall on our wedding. Shout out to my wife-to-be, Lara. I love you. Can't wait to marry you, and I look forward to seeing you guys after the wedding. I love it. I love it, brother. Well, congratulations on behalf of the entire family. And thank you, everybody, for being part of the show. My only final thought is I wish the very best for the Seattle Sounders tonight. And Raul Ruiz, the Peruvian striker they face, Pumas in the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League. Good luck to you. But thank you, everybody, for being part of the fam. As I mentioned, you can watch a, a, a little preview of the Europa League on YouTube. We'll have the weekend preview out later this weekend, as well as a weekend recap and so much more to come including the continuation of our world cup series michael lahood lme youtube.com forward slash kego lasso kego lasso put on twitter have a great rest of your night your day whatever it is and we will see you next time till then Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. 
for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.